All right, welcome back, Relatively Conscious. My name is Antonis Brown. Irvin Bryant. Today we'll talk about Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore. The president visited Mount Rushmore for its first fireworks show in a decade and lit into social justice demonstrators seeking to remove monuments, many with Confederate or slave-owning histories. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Uh, yeah. It was ridiculous. So, fourth of, third of July, but yes. for the fourth, yes. Yeah. So what was it about? What, what, was, what did he talk about? So, our president, he doesn't like to do speeches in a traditional way. So State of the Union, Oval Office stress, does them as infrequently as possible. Yeah. My man likes to campaign. That's really all of his all of his addresses and speeches. Either they are genuine campaign rallies that he's been doing for the entire four years. Never yes. stops. Or uh, he will turn one of his few State of the Unions into a campaign speech. And this one is no different, except it was supposed to be uh, commemorating our independence and was more about maintaining the status quo which is kind of antithetical to independence, right? Where, yeah. okay, we have these ideals, man. Forget the money. Forget the empire. Like, our loyalties, none of that. We've got to stand for these ideals. And he said, forget the ideals, man. We got a good thing going here. As white people, we got to keep it. Come on, man. I like being I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the historical narrative that he tried yes. to weave, right, um, it's, it's an ideal basically that conservatives are basically like people's I'm telling the truth about what this country is yes. is is a issue for some reason right, right. Um, and I and it, it, it generally boggles the mind yeah and so it's a problem and, I, and I'll, I'll hit it with a little bit of uh, uh, racial criticism uh, history uh, historiography there's the the master narrative right right Basically, the story the story is told by the victor. So if you win, you get to write the history. Yeah, it is not truly fair uh, in that you know having a different you know less advantaged army in one way or another doesn't mean you're a lesser people, and we know that. Yeah. So um, yeah, white people have just won a lot in America, especially within the borders. So uh, he's like, well, look, we won, <laughs> and we told the winner's tale, and that that should be the end of it, and. As there is a racial reckoning in this current moment where the battles aren't necessarily won by who has more physical force because, you know, when, when the cops pull up in the riot gear, they win yes. every time. Yeah. Um, and that that ba- imbalance is, and I, my first thought was, this is the death throes of whiteness. Whiteness is not dying. I would love for that to be the death throes of whiteness, but it's not. These yeah. are the fight or flight response, right? Whiteness is seeing... It's as an idea. It's seeing itself because it's an invisible race, mm-hmm. right? Other people are very well aware of their race in the world. But white people don't think about race. They're not conscious of it. And this is really, like, for the first time uh, in my lifetime, forcing a level of consciousness on the whole of the populace. 
and it's either straight rejection or the reckoning, you know, that they have to, okay, I have to reckon with this, I have to think about my life. And obviously, (laughs) the way whiteness, you know, is set up to be, I gotta, I gotta fight against it. And so it's a whole new flavor of all my, all my heroes are perfect. (laughs) Slavery dang near didn't exist. Yeah, I don't know what y'all talking about. And uh, these statues gotta stay up. Yeah, and it's to me it's such a losing battle because it would make more sense to just be like, hey man, you know, confederate traitors, just turn them down. But like, hey, tax cuts though for the rich. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that? You remember that? (laughs) Trickle down, remember that? Yeah, and if it seems like that could work, you know, Um, and it's address people's actual concerns and leave the symbolic stuff. Yeah, Yeah. and then but the problem is that to do that um, would be to betray what is his. How his base views America, right? right? So, and Fox News does this a lot, right? And um, it's really weird to Every watch, night. yeah, uncanny. But one of the um, newscasters, I want to say it's Laura Ingram, maybe wrong. Yeah, uh, talked about how the segment she talked about the world, the, the country is changing, right? Yeah. Because in some parts of the country, it does seem like the America that we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people. And they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, much of this is related to both illegal and, in some cases, legal immigration that, of course, progressives love. It's not changing for the better. It's not the America you know anymore, right? And the country is changing. It's getting uh, uh, browner, right? Right. So more Latinos. More uh, Latinx, uh, yeah, Latinx, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just uh, more, I mean, more, more immigration, yeah. more immigration, right? Uh, and then there's race mixing, as they used to call, miscegenation, as they yeah. used to call it. But a lot of people don't care about you know race and ethnicity, and it used to be illegal, and it's been illegal now for quite a while. So yeah, lots, lots of brown babies getting made. Yeah, um, people becoming smarter than they used to be, right? So more people with college educations. Also, a lot of immigrants come here with less. Uh, economic power with less education and those who are more educated and uh, make more money have less children so yeah. I hate to do the whole numbers population I think it's very weird we're not animals right we're not like yeah. breeding or whatever but by the numbers white people because have they have consistently held power in one way or another just aren't having as many children as everybody else and yeah. so the numbers just have been shifting shifting to where you know I believe uh, the white majority is in the 60s 60 percentile yeah. and everybody else is just pushing further and further also so by 2024 Texas would be majority uh, Latino yes um, and at 2024 maybe 2030 technically next census in between yeah, yeah. yeah next census yeah. Um, and the problem becomes that that no longer looks like leave it to beaver right so now leave it to beaver yeah. has to have a neighbor who has an uh, umbrella and then has yeah, to have yeah, a neighbor yeah. who is a Hispanic who's a black slash uh, mixed family, right? Right, right. And that's not what I remember on TV. In Texas is Asian. Yeah, it's we, Asian. Got, we got a lot of Asian yeah. immigrants. Yeah. And then that's not what I saw on TV though, the 1950s. And that's why I think it's that's what I'm I'm supposed to believe that America is, right? Right. And therefore, I believe that my country is changing, and the stories that were told um, affects me in a way. Yeah. Right. And it's it's the stories that were told back then that were exclusionary. Yeah. Because 
and that's purely economic, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> if there are more white people with a television set and they want to see Andy Griffith in his very white neighborhood, then yeah. that's what they're going to see. Yeah. And they don't care what Tony Brown wants yeah. to see. <laughs> but uh, not only is it a fictional narrative, but it's a historical narrative, which is largely fictional, where Christopher Columbus is a hero, um, where Andrew Jackson is a hero, where in the South, Jefferson Davis is a hero, Robert E. Lee is a hero. And so now... The, even even Thomas Jefferson, even George Washington, who were just problematic figures, pretty heroic. You know, mm. they did their thing, but uh, definitely held slaves, and they're definitely consciousness of the moral uh, dilemma. The moral dilemma. Thank yeah. you. And just decided to neglect that. They yeah. say, "I'm going to own these slaves. I'm going to be rich. I don't care." And instead of, like you said, just saying, "Hey, you know, this is bad. Everybody's done bad things." Yeah. And they still accomplish what they accomplished. And some, some Jefferson Davis does have to get thrown away. He did yeah. just a bad thing. Confederacy was a bad idea. Christopher Columbus enslaved people, rape, pillage. That's that's just not good. I can let yeah. it go. They, it, it, because their identity, especially political identity, is tied so deeply in these ideas, these uh, statues, the, the monuments, the... Confederate flag. Ooh. Yeah. You know, see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so all these symbols, that's what I was looking for, all these symbols uh, represent... So much of the of their identity and uh, their holiness, their rightness, because American victory has been framed in the master narrative as one bestowed by God. Manifest destiny was God ushering America across from sea to shining sea. And if this is righteous, mm-hmm. if this is who I am, and this is who we are, and if if none of those are really true, like none of the none of the things that make that right and good are true. Then I'm a scoundrel. Yeah. Then we are a perverse nation that has uh, blood on every single dollar bill. Yeah. Now for people of color, like oh that's that's been a deal <laughs> since I got here. I mean yeah. cool, you know whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a thing. But for white people, that is frightening. Also, it made it easy. Like so, like, things become much easier when like America is righteous and the Russians are wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a bad guy. Yeah. Right. So like we're pushing west, and the Indians got to get out the way. Yeah. And then, but like from the black point of view, I mean, I don't like communism <laughs> I don't want to stay in the brain line right yeah. so I can understand the wrongs of capitalism instead of be like I'm not trying to do that you know right. uh, and I don't think I think you know and last W. Du Bois talks about right mm-hmm. and then you talk about uh, double consciousness being behind the veil right you can see both sides and understand yeah from you know? behind the veil you can see yeah. and you can understand which side uh, you choose right mm-hmm. but you can deal with the wrongs and, and understand them yeah so what is Trump's Strategy for 2020. What is this take by strategy for 2020? Right. So if I'm going to defend whiteness, which is a bet, I don't know if it's a safe bet. Well, as but, of right now, he's nine points down, and Texas is looking like a toss-up. Right. It was a safe bet in 2016. Yeah. But there, there weren't true champions of whiteness. Like, like this trend of the population changing and all that yeah. has been a long time coming. People have been getting canceled for racist things. And so when a man stands up, and we already know this, right? To, to be the yeah. one defender, then he's got got it in the back, and he did. Um, but now, as we have a racial reckoning and attitudes change, and we see the full fallout, 2020 is the Trump administration year. Yeah. We see all the problems uh, producing foul fruit. Uh, he's faced with a crossroads of, hey, maybe... Now, this speech did not bode well for the strategy, yeah. but maybe instead of doing what I did on July 3rd, and calling the protesters those who defame the name of our heroes instead of just telling the truth and calling uh, real historians and educators those who want to rewrite history in their image 
Um, instead of doing that and lying, how about I just say, hey, hey forget all that symbolic mm-hmm. nonsense. You're trying to eat today, rich people. Yeah. <laughs> rich people, look, 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 look. I know Nike had to make a statement. Okay, I know Adidas, all the athletic companies in NFL, Roger Goodell, I know you had to make a statement, but I know what you feel in your heart. Yeah. And it's about the green. Yeah. And so I can get on that side, recruit a person of color for my team. Hold up, diversity. Yeah. Karen's come back. Come, <laughs> I respect women a little bit. Let me get a woman on there. Let me get a person of color on there and make it all cool like it used to be again. He could do that, but say he chose not to. And say he chose to stick with the strategy. And I, I think that right now, the map he's looking at does not look but well. Now, November could come around. I could have egg on my face. I could be wrong, right? Um, which I hope not. But hey, if I was a betting man, I bet I probably am wrong, right? But the strategy does not look like it's going to work, mm-hmm. right? And I think the question becomes, right? So, um, if he loses, what becomes next for the Republican Party? I think we can address that on another episode. We have more time, right? You're right. But I think, will it work? I mean, we had to put our best down today. Is a yes or no for you? Will diversifying or will his stance with his defending of whiteness work? The the speech on July third will that work as a strategy going forward? It is tough to say because here's the key. Here's here's what's important. Black Lives Matter has come in waves. And yeah, we've, we've seen it all, and the waves do recede. Now, I like the racial reckoning chart. I got that from a gentleman who wrote for AP. Um, if this is a, a, a real reckoning where we can reconcile and move forward um, to some degree, I'm not saying you know, racism is not over, but if it if it has staying power, then he's lost. But if the summer ends, the fall comes, and the second wave of Corona shocks us in a way unforeseen, mm. if um, the economic recession hurts us to a degree that that is unprecedented. Trump surprised us <laughs> yeah. in 2016. So there's a sliver of a chance yeah. that that really, he, he could hang on, right? Because he won pretty handily in 2016. I think it would be more of a, a George Bush in 2000 yeah. victory as opposed to George Bush in 2004. Yeah. So he may sweep by on the Electoral College on the, on the second go-around. But my hope is that we get a, we get a change in administration. Yeah, mine to wrap it up. My belief is that um, we don't know how the vote is going to go, and I think if he does win, it may be because we just were not prepared for November fourth for November to vote. We didn't have the polling locations, we didn't have the absentee, absentee ballots, and people were disenfranchised whole scale. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't know what happens afterwards. I think that may result in a racial reckoning that becomes even worse for him mm-hmm. you know I don't I think if he wins again he's not gonna like what comes next but I mean if he doesn't face the voters again he can do whatever he wants right wow. so this is uh relative conscious <laughs> <laughs> this is relative conscious my name is Antonius Brown Irvin Bryant I'll tell you hit those in the comments see what you, uh, tell us what you think